Hello and welcome to this special MPW Trailblazers edition of the Aid Station. I'm Chris Robb and today excited to be traveling to Cozumel in Mexico where we meet the person in Latin America that we've recognized as an MPW Trailblazer, that is Sean Gadd. He's the founder and CEO of Paradise Sports Management, Cozumel in Mexico. Welcome, Sean. Great to meet you. Yeah, very nice to meet you, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Uh, really excited to, to hear about your story and, uh, and all the things you've been doing. And I'd love to start maybe with a little bit of your background and maybe a little bit of a geography lesson. You were telling me before we started recording Cozumel, a little island with about 100,000 population, uh, typically a cruise ship destination. Tell us a little bit about where in Mexico you are and a little bit about your backstory, please. Well, um, <laughs> I'm actually not Mexican, believe it or not, uh, if you can tell by my accent. I'm, <laughs> I'm originally from, from New York, born yeah. and raised over there. Um, I flew over when I was 19 years old after finishing university to start in the cruise industry, basically, in, in the retail segment, uh, opening stores here and, and selling to all the cruise ships that would dock here. Uh, in Cozumel. Uh, Cozumel is actually known as the, the largest cruise ship port destination in the world. We would have up to uh, 15 cruise ships in a day uh, coming to visit the island and each ship is easily 3,000 passengers on there. So we'd have very busy days and uh, I would be in, in, in the retail sector basically uh, mainly focusing on marketing and things like that. Um, so I came, I came, that was over 20 something years ago. Um, I fell in love with the island. I didn't think I was going to stay that long over here. Met my wife here, uh, had my kids here. Um, it, it's a great place to live. It really is. It's a, yeah, like you said, it's about a hundred thousand people living here. Um, it's a great place, very peaceful, no crime. Um, it's the only way to travel really is either by ferry, which, uh, you can get, uh, to, to the mainland from, from Playa del Carmen are obviously uh, flights. Um, we're not really that far away from the mainland of Mexico. A ferry is about a 20-minute ferry uh, time, 20-minute ferry ride to, to get there uh, or to get here. Uh, Playa del Carmen, Cancun, Tulum, those are also uh, big tourist destinations, if you've heard of them, that uh, mm -hmm. are receiving millions of people usually every, every year. Um, so for us, it's we don't feel the I'm stuck on an island and I can't get out feeling. It, it's, uh, you know, if we want to leave, we hop on the ferry with the kids and, you know, we cruise around Playa, around Tulum, which is uh, becoming a big hot spot right now. Go to Cancun, to the, the shopping malls. There's a huge um, hotel area, hotel zone over there with beautiful hotels. Um, but Cozumel is my home. I love it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good 20-something years I've been living here. Wow, sounds sounds pretty idyllic, and and so you know you, you've done a huge amount of work, GFNY Cozumel. Um, obviously, there's been some challenges around that. Talk us through a little bit about what you've gone through in the last year, and and you know you were successful, if I'm correct, in getting the event to be able to happen uh, in 2020, and and you know tell us some of the challenges you faced to make that happen, and some of the success factors around it. <laughs> well, it's it's something you know. I don't want to say that it's with our great planning and whatnot that we made it happen because we, we knew what we were doing a hundred percent. I honestly, I contribute a lot of it to luck. You know, we, you know, we planned it correctly, but luck was definitely on our side. Um, and the reason why I say that is because we, we had a race last March 
in Monterrey, Mexico, mm-hmm. a GFNY event. And literally one week after the event took place, uh, the whole country went into quarantine. So we were actually the last race to happen in all of Mexico. And, and Cozumel was pretty much the first race to happen after the quarantine. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, you know, as soon as we pulled off Monterrey, because I was, I was very concerned about that race uh, at the time, because that race we had already invested in, in everything and in all the logistics and, and the purchasing of the jerseys, the goodie bag, personnel, transport, every, all the, everything was already arriving at that destination. And the last thing you want to hear is the government telling you two days before the race, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to have it. So we were for, first and foremost, very lucky that we were able to put that race on. And after, after that experience, I guess you could say that was when I said to myself, okay, Cozumel is in November. Um, we had Monterrey in March. I had a, enough time to evaluate what I thought the situation would be, which is what we, you know, what we had to do first. I had time to speak with the government to think what they thought it would be. Um, and then from there to, to see if I can build a schedule of, you know, putting the logistics together, ordering all the supplies, making sure everything comes on time, making sure also the factories are open uh, that are producing certain things. We, we did order many things from China. Um, China at that moment was, was at the peak. They were, you know, we, we were hit hard by, by, um, by their factories being closed. Um, Italy was affected next, uh, where we produce most of our GFNY apparel, all the race gear, bib shorts, jerseys, everything, um, water bottles. So, you know, we, we had to not only make sure that, uh, the government here could, can give us the permission, but also that everywhere else around the world that's producing that their factories were open. So that, that was something that required a lot of, uh, planning and, and plan A, plan B, plan C. Okay, if we can't order here, let's try to order there. If we can't order there, try to order there. Um, quality control, which was a pain in the butt also because that was something that, okay, usually we get the metals from China, which they do a very good job. Here in Mexico, I haven't been so lucky with finding uh, manufacturers for, for metals that I liked, but I had my plan A and plan B and plan C in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, coming, speaking with the government, seeing what their outlook was, you know, that that's obviously the, the pinnacle of everything. If, if they don't, if they're not optimistic, then none of this is going to play out. Nah. And I think that was where we had the luck on our side because, you know, this Island Cozumel is, is usually dependent on cruise ships, the cruise industry here. It's, it's, uh, it's how people live and how people survive. And without that, um, people are suffering. You know, a lot of people have left already. Yeah. So, and the government needs to respond somehow, some way to bring in some type of economical impact into, into the island. The federal government wasn't really doing anything to help. Um, so they had to take matters into their own hand. Um, we had meetings with them and we said, look, you know, we can build a robust uh, sanitary protocol, safety protocol that will protect everyone that's here. Uh, obviously, we can't guarantee anything, but we can at least do that. We can, you know, implement all those procedures. We can promote those procedures so that the government looks like they're, uh, they're, they're um, certifying something that looks serious, that looks like uh, they are taking care of the tourists that are coming here to the island, but at the same time taking care of the locals that live here. 
So we put together a very robust protocol with uh, GFNY headquarters. Um, I made videos, PDFs, magazines. We promoted the protocol. That was a big part of it, promoting the protocol and then proving that the protocol works. Um, we had events in France and Vujane mm -hmm. that uh, the protocol uh, actually was uh, first passed over there. Yeah. It was implemented successfully. The government had no issues with it at all. Shortly after, in October, the protocol uh, was used and enforced in Florida. Um, so I, I used those, those other destinations to promote to the government here. Look what we were able to do there. We'll be able to do the same thing here. And at the same time, bring in the tourists, help the economy here, uh, boost the economical impact, fill up the hotels, and, and, and give everyone a great event. So it was a lot of selling. I yeah. definitely can tell you it was a lot of selling. A lot of selling. Um, I come and a lot, from that and background, a so that helped me. Yeah and, yeah, and 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 relationships which you've obviously built over all those years there. So you know, a, a lot of the success we're seeing in you know in the, in the industry, we're seeing lots of pivoting, we're seeing lots of innovation. Innovation's one of the the catch cries. You obviously had lots of Plan A, B, Cs, which you've already alluded to. What were some of the innovations? I mean, I guess you've had to create from scratch some of these protocols, albeit that you could borrow from 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 HQ. But were there any kind of innovations that you've made that that you think have have helped you get through this and might help other people that are listening to this? I think that the, everything is dependent on approval. So in order to get the approval from the government or from from wherever the destination is. Um, you need to first show them that you have, like you said, that innovation, um, technology, whatnot, to be able to combat what we're going through right now. So we first, first thing I did, besides from the protocols and everything, is I put together a COVID response team. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing. Um, I had about three different managers. Um, we had, I'd say, a good 50, 60 people that were on that team. Each one had their areas, you know, at, at entrance, at, at entrance and exit points, um, people monitoring just to make sure that everyone was, uh, you know, wearing their face masks, you know, respecting the, the here you say sana distancia, but the social distancing yeah. um, and, and making sure the signage was placed properly, things like that. Public relations with the government to show the government, hey, look what we're doing so that they see what we're doing. Because if you don't tell the government where to look, they, don't, they usually don't know where to look. So you need to explain to them. Point. That's a really great point. Yeah. Um, and technology-wise, we, you know, we did a little bit more than than other events that happened afterwards. Um, you know, if you were to walk inside, let's say the expo area or into the corals of the race, we had uh, sanitizing stations. You know, we check your temperature. We would make sure you had the face mask. We um, even had for your feet to clean uh, your feet. Obviously, the gels. Um, and then we had the mist, the fogger. That we fogged everyone. Okay. Um, so what were you so fogging some, them with? We it was a, a bio. What do you call it? Um, uh, uh, it was a natural product that wasn't a chemical. Uh -huh. um, it, believe it or not, during this whole uh, year or past year now, um, I was researching different products and kind of getting into that business just to to understand, uh, you know, what what it entailed, what chemicals. And I invested in a company that uh, it's called Evitar. It's a company that is here in Mexico. Um, they have gels that uh, protect your hands for up to eight hours. Uh -huh. It's safe to use on your nose, on your face, on your ears. Um, 
usually you're supposed to only use it once, but um, you know, it's something that we gave people so that they, they had that protection throughout. It wasn't like you go, you put gel on in your hand one time and then you go to another pit stop, you put gel on your hands again, even though we were doing that. But this was a product that I think was a little bit stronger as far as um, from its recommendations and everything a little bit more expensive. Um, but we invested in that just because we believe that, you know, in the end of the day, a lot of people are saying, oh, I'll just buy hand sanitizer gel and tell everyone to put their face masks on and call it a day. Mm. Truth of the matter is, is that, you know, all those people are going to go home. And if something happens, who do you think is going to get the blame in the end? Yeah, It's going to come back to us. So yeah. you have to make sure that you're giving products that you feel will really protect, that will really um, give, give them that uh, belief that this is quality, this has been researched, um, it's not dangerous, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and that when they go back home, everything is okay. They're not blaming us for contracting the virus. And after our event over here, I didn't receive one phone call, one email, nothing, zero, which oh, was great. Right. Yeah. How, many, how yeah. many participants did you end up getting? We had 2,300 total wow. that showed up, yeah. um, 2,600 registered. Yeah. Um, we had people that snuck across borders to get to this race, apparently, yeah. um, which was interesting. Um, we marketed the race. That was another thing that we were, I was focusing on is marketing the race as an escape from reality, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is, this is going to be paradise. This is going to be where you can finally ride and race and compete and, and not have to worry about all the problems back at home and things like yeah. that. I had a bunch of different campaigns that I launched that, that helped people to, to think about, you know, envisioning themselves racing here and not what they're going through back at home. Yeah. So while everyone was complaining about the pandemic and races were shutting down everywhere, left, right, and center, I was promoting you know, the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Escape so I, I pretty much went uh, the opposite direction of everyone. Yeah. Wonderful. And so, you know, clearly you're, you're playing a leadership role within GFNY in Cozumel. T tell us a little bit about leadership. I mean, you know, are there any principles? Is there any particular mentors that you followed to help guide the way that you lead? Well, leadership, I think the, the first, from my point of view, it's really, building a team and, and giving team the faith and the trust so that they feel confident in carrying out their job. I think that's really what a leader is in the end of the day. It's not going and dictating and telling and you do this and you do that. There needs to be guidance like, like everything, but I think they need to feel confident in what they're doing because they don't have that confidence. They're not going to do it right. Mm. Uh, that, that, that was really, that's how I operate. That's always how I've operated. And, you know, I, I have mentors, uh, Uli right now, who is um, the, the, the owner of GFNY um, yeah. and Lydia as well. They, they yeah. both are very great. In my opinion, they're great leaders. They're strong characters. Um, and I think, uh, you know, some command respect and some earn respect. And mm -hmm. by watching them, I see how they earn it. And, and I, I work the same way as them. Um, that's something that I appreciate. I think that's why we are working with them because we connect that way. Um, I have another mentor who is someone that you, you, you know, in this industry, you wouldn't know, but um, I was, like I said before, in the jewelry industry um, and my ex-boss, his name was Albert, um, built an empire, uh, over 150 jewelry stores, a multi-billion dollar uh, corporation. Um, 
he was a little bit more of the dictating side of a leader, but um, I guess you could say I took out the, the good parts of him and the good parts from Uli and Lydia, and I tried to combine it myself to build my own personality and leading. But um, it, it's something that I think uh, in this, this day and time, everyone's learning now new things. Yeah. Everyone's learning how to develop, how to build, how to create, um, and ultimately how to, how to be able to convince everyone that, you know, we can get back to doing these events in a safe way. You know, mm -hmm. first and foremost, these are outdoor sports. Yeah. We're outdoors. We're not stuck indoors. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you look at the reason why it, the virus is spreading everywhere right now, it's because, well, on, on this side of the planet, at least it's winter. Everyone's indoors. indoors yeah. You know, that's common sense. Yeah. And I think, we need to all understand that, you know, we, we need to stay healthy. We need to be able to go outside to breathe fresh air and to give people those opportunities to still be able to do that. People are, are riding every day, you mm -hmm. know, in the pandemic, without a pandemic, people are riding, people are running more than ever. Yeah. Bike sales have gone up 600% since the pandemic. So what do you think is going to happen once this is all over? The events are going to come knocking on. Everyone's going to go. Everyone's going to be in these mass participation events. Yeah. And, and we need to prove to everyone that we can pull off these events in a very safe manner, in a very fun manner, and, and to, to put a smile back on everyone's faces. Wonderful. Look, great, great story. And, and you know, clearly you've, uh, you're inspiring a lot of people over there already. Tell, tell, tell us to finish off uh, you know, a, a particular inspiring story that you'd like to leave the viewers with, please, Sean. Inspiring in the last year? Or just an inspiring story generally <laughs> from your life, from where, wherever it may be. Uh, well, you know, I've met a lot of athletes, obviously, yeah. and, and many inspiring stories from many amazing athletes. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, we have Ironman races over here. Um, but one particular story that really inspired me was I, uh, I had a participant, uh, a lady, must have been in her 60s, I would say, mid-60s. She came to the event. She had all the doubts in the world that she would not be able to finish it. She did the long distance, 160 kilometers on the bike. She didn't finish the event, unfortunately. Uh, I was already at home when I got a phone call that she wanted to speak to me the night, the, the night of the race, the, the, the night after the race. Mm -hmm. And um, she spoke with me and she cried and she said she would like to have the medal that she, she wants to finish her medal. And I said to her, well, you didn't finish the race. You know, usually I'm not going to go, but this was such, this was a lady that um, commanded me basically to come to see her. And, mm -hmm. uh, I said, I'm sorry, I can't give you the medal, but I can invite you to come back to try again. And uh, the following year, she came back and she basically was the last one to cross the finish line. Wow. She crossed the finish line. She passed out right on the finish line. We had to get the medics uh, uh, to help her out. Um, but she got the medal. She wow. cried as soon as I put the medal over her head. I actually waited for her at the finish line that time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she basically turned around and she said to me, you know, when you see that someone believes in you, Sean, that's, that's what gives you the engine to, to go to the, to the finish. Wow. And you believed in me. And I saw that last year. 
And it made me really think like, you know, that that's really what this is all about. You know, you, yeah. you need to believe in yourself. Sometimes you don't do that. And mm -hmm. someone else gives you that hope to believe. But at the end of the day, it's you that has to believe. So it, it, this is something that stuck with me, I think, uh, since that day. What a wonderful story. What a great way to end. Sean, it's been yeah. fantastic speaking to you. We, we could speak for, for hours. Uh, I'm sure you've got many other great stories to tell, but wish you all the very best in, in the, the year ahead in 2021 and beyond. And, and hopefully our paths will cross again. And thanks so much for making the time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.